Hey, this is Eastlake BBA, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you. We hope this builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Burning alcoholic. Now I'm going to read off the page 58 of the big book. It says, Our stories, disclosure, in general way what we used to be like, what happened and what we have, oh, I'm sorry, what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go any length to get it, then you are ready to certain steps. At some of these, we balked, we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our, our command, we beg of you to be fearless. And through from very smart, some of us have tried to hold on to old ideas and results was until we let go absolutely. Remember what we deal with alcoholism, bluffing, powerful without help. It's so too much for us, but there is one who has all power and that one is God. May you find him now. You know, you know, God has changed my life, you know, you know, I'm going to give you a little story how I used to be, what piece of crap I used to be, because I can't believe I've changed my ways, especially turning point. You know, um, I grew up as a kid, as a um, Catholic. And I was always around church, 24-7. Every single day, my mom would take me to church till I was like 13 years old. But then I lost my way. You know, I started, I joined a gang because I wasn't getting the attention I, knew, I wanted from my parents. So, you know, I blamed them for everything. And I started doing things I shouldn't be doing. I got involved too much, too deep in gangs, started going to jail, and I even lost my dreams. You know, I had a dream to play soccer professionally, and um, I had the chance. You know, I had a um, scholarship at age of uh, 16 to come play for the San Diego Soccers and come to um, San Diego State University. But that day I had to, I had to show up and meet the scouts and everybody. Uh, I was being charged with attempted murder and um, lost my opportunity and blamed the whole world. But to be honest, the only person I should have blamed was myself because I knew what I was doing regardless. You know, no, doesn't matter how old I was, I knew what was good, what was wrong, what was, what should I should have been doing the right thing. You know, started drinking a lot a lot because that 
that was everything to me. To to be this professional soccer player was everything. And started using drugs. Started using meth. And and everything crumbled. Everything crumbled. Um I got kicked out of San Bernardino County at age of 18 because I was recruiting kids to gangs in my gang. So I got, I got kicked out for being a menace to society. And it's actually uh, a case. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a movie, but no. So I couldn't, I couldn't step within five feet in San Bernardino County. So my mom sent me to Mexico, which the drug use got worse. I was using, but like I said, don't get high on your own supply. Well, I was. When I got out of jail, I, was, I weighed like 220 pounds, man. When I finished using crystal meth, I weighed 105 pounds. I looked like death. I remember my parents coming and visiting me on Christmas, and they told me, wow, if we wanted to see death, we would have seen death. Like, they were shocked how bad I was. And, um, you know, that didn't bother me. I didn't care what they said. So my drinking accelerated and I picked up 10 DUIs. I had 10 DUIs, which cost me a lot of money. I had three houses, lost them. I had about six cars, lost them. Man, I lost everything. I lost everything. I have four kids that never seen me sober. My oldest is 33 tomorrow. He's never seen me sober. I have a 26 year old daughter, 22 year old son, and a 17 year old daughter. Have never seen me sober till now. My wife that I've been with for the last 36 years, never seen me sober till now. You know, it's a blessing that I can say it now. You know, on July 22nd, it's when I got busted for the 10th DUI. And I tried to get away and I went on a speed chase, got in a fight with the police, and ended up in jail. Well, while I was in jail, I was trying to kill myself because I was ashamed. I was tired of being tired. I was looking for people's shoelaces, but when you're in jail, they take your shoelaces away. And um, I got out and my plan was to get hit by the trolley. And something happened that I couldn't, I can't explain to this day. On my way over there to the trolley on City College, right in front of the 7-Eleven, there's a little market there. And I was gonna let the trolley hit me right there, but this man caught my attention. This man was on a bike and I can feel him looking through my soul. I can feel him getting my, wanting my attention for some reason. And with my pride, you know, I look over there and tell him, what, you know, what do you want? And he's calling me over, telling me he needed to talk to me. And um, I put aside my pride and thank God I did and went to him. He got off his bike, 
he told me to have a seat on the black fence that's right there. And I, I took a seat and I just started crying because um, I was, I was just heartbroken because I had broken everybody's heart. And that day that I got busted, it was my son's birthday, 21st birthday. And everybody was waiting for me, so I felt like I let everybody down, and I did. Especially him and his birthday. And before I left, he told me not to drink, and I did. I didn't care. So when this man put his hand on me, this sensation that I've never felt in my entire life came over my body. And my body, my mind told me that everything was gonna be okay. I didn't know what that feeling was. I never felt that ever. And what that man told me was like, it's, I couldn't believe it. Cause how did he know that I was gonna hurt myself? Cause he, this is what he told me. He told me, son, please don't hurt yourself. Please don't do what, you, what, I'm, what you're planning to do. And I couldn't believe what he said, so I told him, excuse me? He goes, please don't do what you're planning to do. And I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. And he told me everything's gonna be okay. He goes, you need to seek help and you will get the help, but you need to seek that help. And he, again, he told me the same thing. Son, please don't hurt yourself. You got a family that needs you. Your kids are looking for you. Your son is looking for you right now. He told me that. And, I, you know, it felt good, but I, part of me didn't believe him. Part of me was just shocked but what he's telling me. And he told me, I need you to get on the trolley. I need you to go to your family. And um, I did that. I got up, he walked me to the trolley and this man stood in front of the machine. And like us Sally boys say, keep it real, keep it 100. I'm keeping it 100 right now. He just looked at the machine, stood there for a minute. And there's no trolley coming at all, at all. There's no trolley, because I looked, before I crossed the tracks, I looked up and down and there's no trolley coming. And this ticket got issued. I mean, he didn't touch the machine. He just stared at it. And this ticket came out and he handed it to me. And I couldn't believe it because, I mean, not just the things he told me, how he made me feel when he put his arm around me. You know, I, I knew it had to be a guardian angel. Had to be. Had to be. There's no question about it. So when he gave me that ticket, I know for a fact there was no trolley behind me. And as soon as he gave me the ticket, he, we turned around and he pushed me in the trolley. The trolley was there. I don't, I can't explain. I cannot. And um, he, he blessed me and he did this gesture that I only do to my kids. And I don't know how he knew what I do to my kids. I run my finger from the bottom to the tip of my finger and I tapped the pointer of the nose. And this man did that to me. I couldn't explain. No one, the only people that know what I do to my kids is my kids and my wife. 
no one else. How does this man know that? And he did it to me. When he did it to me, oh my God. I basically almost fell to my knees, started crying. I had to be God who sent me this man from stopping me from killing myself. Had to be, had to be. And um, as the trolley is going, I'm, I'm just, I'm shocked at what this man is, what he knows or who he was, I don't know. So I'm walking towards the back of the trolley because I want to continue looking at this man. You know, I just want to say thank you, just wave at him. And this U-Haul truck gets in between us and this man disappears out of nowhere, just disappears. This couple, this lady and this daughter, they were looking and they were looking at everything that me and this man were talking. I mean, even the daughter looked at the mom and said, Mom, when I said, where's Señor? Basically, where did the man go? Mom, he was just there. And they were looking and they couldn't find Mom, where did he go? Where did that man go? And I was just quiet and the lady said, man, something was gonna happen to this man. I think that was a guardian angel, even that lady said it. So what I did, four days later, I made the best decision in my entire life. Just turned my life and will over to my higher power, which is God. I went and put myself in the Salvation Army program. Started working the steps, started coming to these rooms and saved my life, gave my life back. You know, I used to be a liar, thief, master manipulator. I would steal your stuff and help you look for it and then find it and act like I found it and do it and go to the next person. Man, I was just, I was a piece of crap. I was just a piece of crap of a person, man. But see, today I'm not that person. Instead of causing havoc, chaos, I'm actually helping my community now. And it feels good. It's not because I have to do it, it's because I want to do it. You know, every month I get the chance to help the homeless, which is at the Salvation Army downtown, Center City, we get, we get the privilege to help and um, feed the homeless, cook for them. And it's a pleasure doing that, and I do that every month. It's awesome to give back, not taking. You know, um, I've always was the type to take, 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 do favors, I wanted something in return. I'm not like that no more. I don't want nothing no more. I just want to help. I got a bunch of guys that look up to me at the Salvation Army but not just that, I look, up, I look up to them too. You know, they're a big, big, man, they're, they're, they're big in my life. If it wasn't for them, I don't know what I would be serious. You know, they helped me just like I helped them. You know, you gotta lead by example though. I read this shirt that went through the clothing line a while back and it said, uh, I would rather stand with God and be judged by the world then be judged by, then stand with the world and be judged by God. You know, that hit me pretty hard because uh, when, when my time does come, I know I'm gonna go to heaven because the way I used to be and how I am today, you know, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's an awesome feeling. Before my family used to run away from me, hide from me, man, now they're running towards me because they can't believe the type of person I became, you know? 
like I always said, man, I tell the truth now and it feels good. It really does. You know, before I used to lie about everything. I'd be so drunk and people ask me, you drinking? Nope. Stumbling, almost falling. And people laugh like, yeah, right. But you know what? Man, ever since I surrendered my life and will over to my higher power, life has been a blessing. You know, life is good today. I have peace. I have joy. You know, something I never had before. You know, man, you got to, man, God works. Uh, man, God's alive. It, he is. Because I cannot do it by myself. I mean, I, you know, you heard already. My whole life has been a mess. But ever since I had God in my life, man, anything's possible. Today I pray for everything. I don't worry about nothing. I don't. Everything's amazing. Everything's good. You know, all you gotta do is work at it. Work the steps. I mean, come to these meetings. You know, every. I mean, it's it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how these steps can save your life, and it's done that for me. It has. I've done all my twelve steps, but I'm back on my sixth step again, doing it all over. Because this is what keeps me going. Keep working it. Keep reading the book. My Bible and my big book, man, it's the biggest books. It's the best books I've ever owned. The only books I ever read in my entire life. And, um, man, I'll take another 24. I love you guys. And, man, and, um, love you guys. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Bernie, for that share. Uh, it amazes me. It, it actually gives me chills every time you tell that story. I, I really like that and it, it inspires me so thank you uh so chapter five page 58 um and this has a lot to do with bernie it's being honest it says rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to the simple program usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves there are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those too who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. And that right there, I think, it sits with me about being honest with myself and uh, my alcoholism. And, you know, Bernie, you, you pretty much explained it uh, the way you were before and the way you are now. And being honest feels good. And it, it really does. Uh, before I walked into these rooms, it was just, I was just lying about everything, you know. Did you drink today? No. But then I'm falling over trying to get out of my work uniform, you know. And we turn it all over to God. You know, it's, this is the beginning of step three and, and how it works and how we're going to turn our lives over leads into taking our inventory and starting the whole process of step four. And it just, honesty and inventing your I don't want to say guilt, but admitting your faults is a key part 
of this process. And if we're not honest and we're not looking deep inside ourselves, we're not going to get what everyone else gets out of this book. We have to look at ourselves and, and make sure that we are honest, not only with ourselves, but with our sponsors who are taking us through this step and, and, our, and God, our higher power. And every day I, I sit and meditate in prayer and, and look at my day ahead and look at my day behind and see where I was and where I faulted. And, you know, doing it today and seeing how the process is working, it feels good. You know, that meditation just taking taking the, the stress off your back and alcohol was what we thought was the stress reliever. And that's not the stress reliever. That's a, that's a stress inducer. To me, at least it was. And it feels good. So I want to thank you again, Bernie, for your share and take my 24th. Thank you. New. Cheyenne, <laughs> uh, alcoholic. Hey, Cheyenne. Hey. Um, turning point. Uh, I think what Sasquatch said is the real deal, man. I mean, let's be like, we want to keep it real. Like, turning point, I really think, is a, when you be honest with yourself. You know what I mean? You look at yourself and you're like, you really take a good, honest look at yourself and, like, you know, I could have every reason in the world to be like, well, this is the reason I drink and this is the reason I drink, you know? Uh, growing up, you know, when I was born, I was born with birth defect. So, like, I always felt growing up feeling inadequate, not feeling normal, not feeling this, not feeling like anything, feeling lower than I should, not giving myself credit for just being who I want to be, you know, fully becoming who I want to be. I could say that, oh, this is the reason, this is the reason, this is the reason, but if I'm honest with myself, when you pick up that bottle, that's your choice, you know? You can find another way to deal with what you feel, you know? Like, before I think I was even three or four years old, I had like five, six surgeries. When I was a little baby, I had surgeries. I was put on morphine, you know? So imagine being a kid, being in that kind of trauma, and then coming out and feeling like, you know, having to deal with that kind of stuff. But to be honest with you, there's a lot of different avenues I could have taken, you know, and uh, a lot of choices I could have made better. So like being honest with yourself, I think is a real big turning point. And, uh, you know, growing up, you know, having uh, divorced parents when you're real young, seeing them argue, you know, right in front of you, the people that you look up to most in the world, you know, arguing with each other almost every day, every night, you know, uh, what kind of state of mind that can put you in, you know what I mean? But there comes a time when you have to grow up, put in your big boy pants and go, you know what, I'm responsible for the choices that I make, you know? It's my life and I need to do what I need to do. And I think when you take a good look at yourself and say, you know what, I could have dealt with these things in a more positive way. But when you feel like you have nothing else and you feel, you know, uh, you don't have the best self-image of yourself or believe in yourself and then you have a change in your life and the change in my life was actually having a beautiful person look at me and say you know what 
you're this, you're worthy, you're a good person, you have a lot to offer, this and that, this and that. And that was the mother of my twin daughters. And the, one of the best things I've ever done in my life was have those daughters. And uh, I didn't know that I was having twins with my ex-wife until we went for our second sonogram. And the doctor kept looking over the, you know, her stomach and everything. And we were like, oh man, is something wrong? You know, like what's going on? And they're like, well, we just want to let you guys know that you guys are having two babies. And we were like, whoa. So this is like, she's six months pregnant. So we were like, whoa, what a thing to get hit with, you know? And we were the first thing we asked is, are they okay? Is everything okay? And they're like, you know what? Yeah, everything's fine. You're just having two kids. And, you know, uh, from then on, I had a change in my life. And, you know, I would, you know, just take my kids to school, you know, have them, you know, uh, they played soccer, you know, being, being the dad. But in that time too, that whole time, I was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because I would do those things. But at the time I played in a local band here in town and we would tour in like San Diego, LA, TJ, Mexico. And so as I was doing those things, I was also going out and drinking and partying and doing all that kind of stuff, living the quote-unquote rock and roll lifestyle. And, uh, you know, not being there for my kids uh, at certain times when I was doing what I was doing. And, you know, when they got older, they were able to uh, go to interviews for colleges and stuff like that. And when my family or my ex-wife was too busy and everything, I couldn't make it, you know why? Because I was choosing the bottle. I had become dependent on alcohol and I was drinking. Too hungover, too buzzed, too drunk, or working all the time because I was at the time like a functioning alcoholic. I was able to keep a job, I was able to work, but as soon as I was ready to get off work, I was ready to go hit the bottle. And uh, those decisions cost my daughters who knows what, but now guess what? They're in San Diego State, both of them. You know what I mean? They're working, they have their boyfriends, they're doing their life now. So like, even though I let them down in those areas, it speaks to them and the people that they are because they're able to still have these independent, successful lives. But now that I've come into the program and be with my brothers and Salvation Army and find God in my life, because that's another part of it too, is that for what happened to me in my youth and my younger, a lot of the times I blame God, you know, if God is so good and so righteous and so this, like, why was I born this way? Why did I have to go through this? Why am I having these, you know, character defects? Why, am, why is this what I'm reaching for? And to be honest with yourself, that was when I was like, it didn't come until I went to this program to really hear that, you know what? You're blaming other people and other things for what you have control over and you're giving that control away, you know? It's your choice to do what you're gonna do. It's your choice. You may have gone through things, but instead of taking a positive route, you're choosing this. And it wasn't until I reached the program and kind of like clear the cobwebs out of your head, the alcohol fog and all that chemical dependency type stuff that you can see, you know what? I'm responsible for the shit that I do, the mistakes I make, the wrongs I do. and a turning point can be, and it is for me, taking an honest look at myself and going, you know what? You're responsible for what you do. 
and it's taken the support of my brothers in the Salvation Army and putting some faith and trust in God for me to finally see, you know, that there is a better way. There is a way. And right before I went into the program, my family wasn't talking to me. I would call them. They wouldn't answer. My daughters, I would call them. They wouldn't answer. Leave a voicemail, nothing. Now that I'm in the program, and the fellas can attest to this, Sunday morning, come chapel, come church, the very people that I was pushing away, blaming for my problems, cursing out, getting mad at, they stand right next to me in church, holding my hand, you know, being there for me, supporting me. But in the end, it has to be me that's gonna stay sober, find God, and do it for myself. Because I can't be no good to nobody else if I can't be good to myself and for myself. So I think taking a good, open, honest look at yourself is a major turning point and uh, a real changing point for me. And, and I want to say it's good to be back because I missed a couple of weeks because in the program, they're changing the way you can get your meetings. So there's like, imagine this, 45 guys trying to get 14 spots for meetings. 30-something guys are going to be not going to meetings. So for me to be able to come back to the very first outside house meeting I've gone to and have a sponsor like David and to have role models like Oliver and Bernie and Sasquatch, you know, like it's like, these are men that have been through stuff that I've been through too, you know, but to see a change in your life and see positive things happening for the changes that you make in your life and see results because that's what you want to do. Not because nobody's making you, because that's what you want to do. Because I came into the program on my own. I don't have a criminal record. I've never been arrested, no DUIs, no tickets. But believe me, I was getting faded all the time. So I'm just lucky, you know? But to have all these examples of, yeah, we may have made bad decisions, but now look what we've done to become accountable for what we do and put God in our life. Look at the good things that are happening for us. You know, that's why he's always there. He was never pushing me away. He was always there. It's just, I was failing to see that he was always there. So with that, another 24, thank you. Good evening. My name is Vladimir and I'm an alcoholic. Um, yeah, I might as well get up here because I'm kind of nervous to speak in front of everybody. And I graduate this next Wednesday from the Salvation Army. And, uh, and I'm excited and I'm happy. It's going to be... Um, I used to be embarrassed of, of saying that I got restarted in the program. But I'm real happy that I made that decision. And it was all because I made the decision to turn my life and, over, and my will over to the care of God. Because um, I graduated, I got there July 26th of last year, and I graduated on February 15th. And on March 24th, um, I got written up for, for, you know, for something I wasn't supposed to be doing. And on March 28th, I got my consequence, and um, they, they called me into administration, and they asked me, um, they gave me an option. They said, you got to exit the program, or you got to start from day one. And I was really upset because I felt like I didn't deserve it, and I had worked so hard in my recovery and I gave everything, you know, I gave it my all because I made, I told myself um, once I got released to a program, I told myself I'm all in, you know, I want to change my life and I'm done with the way I was living. So I decided to stay and um, I honestly, I think prayer is what helped me get through it because I prayed to my higher power who I call, who is God. And um, 
and it's helped me a lot because I've helped, I've built a stronger foundation. Um, relationships with my family have been better. You know, and uh, I like what Cheyenne said when he said um, at the end, he said um, he's always been there, but he never realized he was the, uh, that he was there. He said something like that because that 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 reminds me of a time where um where I had peace, but I didn't. I, all I did was pray, but I didn't know what I was praying to because I didn't have a good higher power. Like I didn't define who it was, but I just knew prayer was real, and I didn't know if God was real because I questioned that a lot because. Um, in 2019, I had a I had a daughter. Um, she was born with a heart disease, so I started to question God a lot too. And um, and then she passed away when she was five months. And I still have my son, but I prayed. I just prayed to I don't even know what I prayed. I just asked God about something for peace. And um, now I call him God because just like Cheyenne said, he was always there and he always provided a way out for me. And um, yeah, I'm excited for next week. I'm graduating, and um, I just know God has something for me. You know, because um. I know he didn't save me all those times, and I know what, what I went through. I know he didn't spare me for nothing. I know he spared me for something. I know he has a purpose for me because it is by his grace that I'm able to stand here today and share this with you. Um, so I'm just grateful to be here, and I appreciate you guys, um, Luis and Jason. I love when you guys share, Sal, all you guys, because I always get something out of it, and it's always like kind of... I feel like God speaks to me through you guys telling me that I got to do the work and it always has to do with a big book. So I want to go ahead and do that because it's working for you guys and you guys are good role models just like Shannon said. So I'm thankful to be here and um, I'm grateful and all glory to my higher power. Thank you. Luis, alcoholic. Bernie, thank you so much for sharing your full story, or at least that part, I didn't know. You know, I only asked him last week to, and uh, I didn't even know what the topic, and, but it just became clear the turning point just from hearing him share last week. You know, that's just the hand of God. Yesterday I was at a leaders uh, meeting here at the church, and they played a game where it was like, top that. So someone would share a story of how, you know, they witnessed God or something like that, you know, and they would share a story and someone else shared it, and then I share a story and I got a prize. And then when they gave me my prize, the, the pastor sat next to me and she said, I bet you get to witness all the miracles. And I said, I do. Every Monday, Sunday, and every time I meet with someone, you know. And so the turning point, you know, uh, I came here and, and broken. I'm filled with guilt, shame, and remorse, and I come to realize that I'm powerless over alcohol. I've been fighting this thing for so long, and I've been under alcoholic torture, and I'm just tired of being tired. And I've got such a big problem with God that is the last place that I was looking for help. But the book makes it clear that, um, that I need to come to believe that he's going to restore me to sanity. And I, I, I'm still clueless about, but, but through this process, I get to see that the way I've been thinking and living is just crazy. And, and it's because the process helps me understand that, um, that I have no mental defense against alcohol, that the battle's going on in my mind. And I know this because I'm waking up from blackouts almost every day and the days that I'm, not drinking, I'm just so sick, I can't pick up. 
But as soon as I feel just a little bit better, it's like by 6 p.m. I'm already planning my next one-man party. And so the book says I need to get, I need, there's no, you know, I need help from, from God. And really what it's saying is this disease is a spiritual sickness. That it's above any of your human resources. I've been throwing all my money and willpower, everything that I can come up with and, and people. And it's saying, this is why it's a turning point. You need to surrender. What you need is protection from this thing. And it can only come from a higher power. Care because you're sick, right? Physically, my body was beat up, right? Mentally, I was just like, it, yeah, there used to be, there used to be a doctor in our group that said, the mind takes up to two years to recover from this stuff. And so, and you know, care and protection because I go from darkness and if I, and if I surrender, I'm going to go into light. And that's that light that provides a new life and a new design for living. And it's one day at a time. Because most, because as I cross now into God's realm, I'm still dealing with all the consequences from those years and decades of living and drinking this way. But now I'm not alone. And so in this new road, it's unknown to me. Because now I'm doing life with God and, and these 12 steps and these principles. And most of the time, I, I don't know what I'm doing, especially in the beginning, right? But over time, as I cross over into 10, 11, 12, and, you know, and I start to learn how to, I go from learning to practicing and finally I, I get to share. And, you know, um, the story that I shared was on Friday, I was meeting with my 12-step group. And at the end, this woman, it's, there's two other, it's me and two other women. She holds, she holds up a book. She says, look, this is my Bible. We're going to do a Bible study in January. And she's like, I got my Bible. And I was like, oh, cool. And I was like, let me think. And I'm thinking, where should we open to? Where should I have her open to? And I was like, oh, let's go to John 1.10. And she's like, all like trying to... She's like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to read it. I don't know how to find anything. She's like, ah. And I was like, oh, it's okay. He's like, just open it. Tell me what you see. And then I'll guide you from there. But she can't see anything. Because she's just. So I said, all right. She closes it again. I'll end with this. She closes it. And I said, all right. Now open it again. Kid you not. She opened right up to John 1. Yeah. <laughs> And she's just overwhelmed, right? And this, is, and I was just like, this is how it is in God's world. The Holy Spirit's there to help us, you know? And so that story got me a free mug and some candy. <laughs> and but more importantly, it's what grows my faith. You know, and today, Bernie, you know, we record this. There's someone out there that needs, needed to hear this. That you know what, we may not be, your son may not be able to reach you when you are at the trolley. But God sent someone that could reach you. And it's through our prayers. You know, it's through the power of prayer. So thank you. Thank you, Lord.
I'm an arrogant, I'm an addict. Uh, well, this is really good that I see, you know, there's a lot of help and everything uh, helps you out entirely well. Salvation Army helps you out with everything, uh, gives you shelter, keeps you warm, and um, what else feeds you. And it gives you a church and everything, you know, everything's there and meetings and everything else, people you can talk to. Uh, if you didn't have anything, you get everything back. And um, I'm going through that right now because uh, when I was out there, I didn't have anything. I didn't want nothing. I, all I wanted was to get high and drunk and lose my mind. I didn't want nothing. And, um, and but right now, like, well, I, I felt like I was gonna die. I'm like, dang, I'm gonna die, dude. I'm just gonna die like this. This is, this is crap. First, I'm gonna lose my mind. And only God knows what's gonna happen to me, bro. I'm gonna die, you know? Cause I already felt like I was dead. Sometimes I would just be like this, like just barely, barely being able to breathe, you know, for not eating or anything. And uh, and I'll just cry, you know. I'll pray to God and everything. And, but um, again, you know, I'll, I'll make it through because I'm a strong person. I always wanted to make it through, always. I don't know what was going on with me, but I, I came through because I didn't want to give up, you know. I guess whatever I did, I just didn't want to be uh, like a loser, so completely, you know. Uh, another thing, what I heard uh, the brother was sharing right now, me too, last time when I was uh, watching a movie about Jesus, and um, I seen the part where Jesus is sitting down next to this thing where there's water, right? And then um, this lady comes through, and then he's asking for a cup of water or something like that. And I'm like, I'm, I'm watching it, right? I'm like, whoa, dude. And I felt good because I'm like, dude, I said to myself, that's, that's God, you know? That's God right there, you know, in person, telling her, you know, I am, you know, I'm God. Like, and I started thinking, if he was like right here, boy, it's, it's like right there in the movie, right? So I'm watching, I'm like, wow. I'm like, oh, so I felt, I felt good, right? So then the next, uh, not the next day, but I mean that same day, or it was probably the next day, I went to the Bible, and I'm the type of person that I, I don't know how to read the Bible neither. So I just opened it, and I don't know where I'm going to, but that day when I opened it, and I, I, I read I started reading and it was right there in that part where what I saw right there with the, with the lady, when he was with the lady and I was like, wow. So I was like, wow, this, this, is, this is great, this is great. So I felt right there in the moment, God is here, you know. I even took my, 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 my bunkies, I told him, hey, dude, God's here, bro. I told him right before we went to sleep. And so we went to sleep and, um, but I felt good and um, um, that's all, thank you. Hi, Arlene, alcoholic and drug addict. Uh, turning point. Oh, man. Um, when I got to that part, the first let me tell you guys, if you guys haven't done a workshop with Oliver, you've got to do a workshop with Oliver. <laughs> the way he breaks it down is so freaking wrong. You can't be, you can't play dumb if you wanted to. Um, but yeah, when I got to... You know, because you do like your first and your second step. But when you get to that point where you have to decide if you're going to turn your life and your will over to God. Um, it would not have happened if I was not in a place where I was tired of being tired. 
um, the alcohol and the whole lifestyle hadn't taken a toll on me physically. I still got some good quebraditas left in me. But uh, emotionally and mentally, yeah, I was fucked. I, especially emotionally. I, I, was, I was done emotionally. And I knew for a fact that I never wanted to go back to the way I have been living for 48 damn years of my life. I knew for a fact that I did not want to give my children another year of an embarrassing drunk mom. And then, you know, my grandkids are, are growing up and, you know, it, it was to a point where my granddaughters would, you know, they'd go through my closet and they'd take out my, my shimmering dry, little dresses grandma's gonna wear this she's gonna she, grandma twerks like this and you know they make it, it was funny but it wasn't funny you know and a little things like that were just like what what am i really doing you know um and i just didn't want to live that way anymore because uh, a lot of stuff comes with that you know, I had already gotten a really bad DUI, and I was still drinking and driving. Um, I was not coming home all weekend. My, you know, my son was, um, you know, 13 at the time. But, you know, this whole lifetime, like, they were just left at home. I cleaned and I cooked, and because I had food in the house, I, I was free to go do whatever I wanted to do with my life because I wasn't married, so... You know, it was my God-given right and so on and so on. I just had a whole bunch of excuses because I was just always avoiding pain. And I wanted to cover pain with alcohol and drugs. And it's sad to say, but in some ways it did help, especially through some really shitty things that I went through. But, but then I was just stuck there. And I was just stuck there. Um, and things got worse, you know. I... I it's like I kept dating like a worser and worser and worser person um, because I kept devaluing and devaluing and devaluing myself. Uh, God, when it came to God, uh, my grandmother was a Jehovah's Witness, so they're really strict. Um, they have a very deep spiritual lifestyle, but they're also very strict. So it was just like... I did drugs and I drank like I know I'm going to hell and God doesn't want shit to do with me so I couldn't connect um and and I just never never in my life thought that I was worthy of God loving me and when I when you get to that turning point and you realize you've got to give your life and your will over to that higher power you also realize for the first time how worthy you are that he still wants you and you know he wants you to let him in he wants you to stop smacking his hand away like no i got this i got this um and that that was the turning point for me that was my experience with the turning point was um literally surrendering and i knew for a fact that i was just tired of living the way i was living i didn't want another year of my kids seeing me drunk another year of my kids see wondering where the hell i am and they know i'm driving 
I, I just didn't want another year of the way I was living, of getting my lip busted open by my stupid boyfriend. I didn't want to live another year like that. Um, so I just gave myself completely over. I had no idea what the hell that was going to look like. Had no idea what was going to happen. But I, doing the workshop with Oliver, he made it very clear well, this is what you've done this whole time, and where has it gotten you? Why not turn it around and give it over to your higher power and take a chance with that? Because up until now, the only thing you've gotten is sitting here in my workshop. So I'm so glad that I did, and I was so willing to do whatever it took to never go back, to like make that change. And it's the, been the best thing that I've done. Thank you. I'll take another 24. You're like him. <laughs> um, my name is Michael. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, yeah, Michael. <laughs> I was going to call you sirs because that's quite true. You got that coming. Anyway, um, turning point. Um, I started drinking at a very young age. My mother and father were alcoholics. Um, very dysfunctional. I mean, I probably wrote a couple chapters out of the book of dysfunction. Um, and, and rewrote the word dysfunction. But um, I followed their lead, you know. Every time they had a little party at the house, I was peeping out of my room and they're just talking and telling jokes and sipping on whatever that is in that glass. And after about an hour, everybody's just, it's Christmas. It's just merry, merry, merry. I'm like, huh. So I followed the, you know, went out there and, mom, you want me to help clean up, you know? I'll take the glasses and put them in the sink for you. Uh, it got crazier. Um, I kicked out a few schools, coming to school drunk. And, um, it just got worse and worse and worse. And on to my young adulthood, just, I had to keep a job for a minute and lose a job. Get a job for a minute and lose a job. Then I do really good for a stretch, like maybe a year, and I think I'm on top of the world, you know? And I'm so busy that I haven't realized that I'm not drinking and drugging like those. Usually, usually yeah, I'm coming busy working and socializing with coworkers. And I'd be like, well, let me get some drink in here, you know? And then everything would turn to shit. And I wasn't looking at it that way. I was just thinking, you know, just, it just happened. It was an accident. Um, yeah, and turning point for me, let me stay on point here. Turning point for me is um, I raised Catholic and as a, as a little kid, I learned that God was this overbearing, I'm going to get you and you're going to burn if you don't do what I tell you. Very frightening to a child. Not being able to understand the whole concept of love. And because um, I wasn't getting it at home. So the only time I saw love was like Dick Van Dyke or something. It was like, that's like, whatever. Um, so I changed churches and found um, 
the New Testament, basically. Um, and found that God loved me beyond my wildest imagination and always has. Especially to that, to when I first found him in that light. And I hung on to that, and to this day I hang on to that with every breath I got. Um, still I make my mistakes, and I backslid on my recovery more times than I like to count. But today, I, um, I strive again not to be perfect, but I do want to be humble. And in his book he says to come to him like a child. And I want to be that child that first found him. But I want to put that love in there that I learned later on. And he's an awesome, he's awesome. Um, there's no words to describe fully the love and care and grace and mercy that he gives us. I had an experience also like Bernie did, um, Garden Angels. And it says in his good book, be careful who you entertain, because you may be entertaining angels. I was heading to a meeting, believe it or not, <laughs> and I had to walk about a mile, mile and a half, and I have bad knees because of arthritis. So I was about a mile, then almost two miles. I was like, screw this, I'm getting on the bus, go home. And this lady got out of, out of a pickup, I guess she was coming from work, she had work clothes on, guy was dropping her off. And I was asking her, you know, is this the bus where you catch going back to, uh, I was in Lemon Grove, back to the Lemon Grove trolley station. She goes, where are you going? And I was trying to go to a meeting. And her face kind of lit up and she goes, Holy Lana Club's right down here, I'll show you where it is. I'm like, okay. So, that was hers, right? <laughs> anyway, wrap it up. Um, she showed me where it was and gave me a hug. I crossed the street and I turned around to say goodbye and thanks again. And there was nobody. Just, there's a straight road on either side and she's on foot. So like, where did this woman go? But um, miracles happen when we least expect them. As long as we stay focused on him and let him do the work. Because he'll give us the people. He'll give us the situations. He'll give us our heart's desires if we humbly ask and wait. And I think that's the most hard part. So my turning point is uh, don't give up. Don't give up. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Mike. My name is David, and I am an alcoholic. And Bernie, thank you for your share. And uh, it's amazing, you know, to see the transformation of people, man. Uh, let me tell you about, uh, you know, the turning, the turning point is when you are getting used to this thing. You know, uh, the turning point is, uh, like Arlene was saying, you know, we are work, we're doing this workshop for months, for months and months and months and months. And we invite people into, you know, feel the response, responses. So uh, I started with 17 and now I just have like seven, you know, but uh, what is amazing is the transformation and the turning point 
to these people. You know, I was with a lady, you know, doing the fifth step like for six, seven hours yesterday. And uh, my God is exhausted. <laughs> my goodness, believe me. You know, this morning I cannot get up. It's how tired I was. And you know, the best thing I saw in my telephone, a note from this lady, she's from Colombia. And she's telling me, thanking me, you know? And, and uh, she's telling me how the difference in her life was and, and, and how uh, her life had tra transformed and how relaxed and how she got this big weight that was in her entire life was lifted yesterday. You know, that is when you, my turning point is when you know that you're capable to help other people. You know, because I never thought I was capable to help other people. You know, I was totally, you know, thinking that I was just, this stuff is not for me. Helping other people is not for me. And uh, now for the last few years, it has come easy and easy, it's automatic. You know, the turning point is when you put this thing first and everything else later. My mother-in-law and my father-in-law was born in my house today. You know, and I haven't visited them in more than two months. And this is the I think it's the, the longest period I haven't been in their house. So anyway, I was cooking some stuff for them, and then she turned around with me, and they were talking about the program. My wife is telling them how busy I am in this program, because believe me, it takes a lot of hours, you know, from us, you know, it's like six, seven hours on Monday, six, seven, you know, like Tuesday, we have another, you know, staff that it takes us like six, seven, six, six hours, at least from five, where you worship start at four o'clock, we leave four o'clock until nine o'clock at night. So it's heavy. You know, but uh, I, I, my goodness, it's, it's, a, it's a lifesaver, let me tell you, it's all worth it. My mother-in-law is telling me, you know, she said, How? I, I told her I only had like three more weeks to go. And she said, thank God, maybe you can visit us after that. <laughs> you know, and I said, and I didn't say that to her, but I thought, I said, you know, this lady's right. You know, absolutely right. I put in my program, and everything else for later. And you know why? You know, because you can see the miracles that everybody's talking about. You know, that thing that Louis was, was uh, sharing about his, uh, his, this lady that opened up the, the page, the right page, it has happened to me. And you just, you just go, my God, wow. You know? So, so, so life. It's wonderful, let me tell you, when you do the right thing. And you, your entire life, you, you're thinking you are worth less, you are worth shit, man. And, uh, and you found something that, uh, you know, that, that you question yourself all the time, you know. God, what about God? It's so hard to, you know, to get God get into your system and, and to share about God, you know, I was, I, I, I can't talk about God, you know, a few, few years ago, it was embarrassing for me to talk about God, you know, God is for, for losers, God damn it, you know, let, let, you know, and they all lie, that's not true, they all lie, they just want to make you feel comfortable, you know, 
And, and, and that's all that, that there is because, you know, like everybody's saying, you are a liar. So you think everybody else is liar, you know? And uh, life gets easier, you know, thanks, you know. First of all, there's not, nothing, nothing even compared with God. But look, you know, all of us here, we found a place that we can live a little better, you know, but I'm telling you, most of the people live, you know. But if you help just one person, you know, out of the 16, 17, they, they, then you do something right. So anyway, thank you, Bernie, and uh, that's all the time we have for sharing because we better have run. My name is David again, and I am an alcoholic. And this is all the time we have for sharing. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe at eastlakebba.com. You can also help us reach others by spreading the word about our podcast. Thank you for joining us today on the East Lake Big Book Awakening Podcast.